All right, guys, we're here with uh, the latest episode of Your Questions Answered. Um, this week, we're also starting something new. We're going to be having it as an audio version as well. So welcome those who are listening to the audio. Fantastic. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, and we have an interesting question this week. So to kind of recap the message from Sunday, you uh, talked about the conquering of Jerusalem before it was called Jerusalem. It was Jebus, mm-hmm. correct? Jebus. Yeah, that was the pagan name. Pagan name. Yeah. And he brought brought to light some some things about that about how Joab had to crawl up a water tunnel to get into the city, but really about how God is is territorial. I appreciated that. Typically, we associate territorial would be a negative thing, mm-hmm. um, but in this particular case, you know, talking about God wanting desiring to fill the earth mm-hmm. and for us to be part of it as well. But Man. one of the questions that that came out was um, discussing. Um, the need for, uh, well, jump right into what you would use in your message on Sunday. You talked about there being a time when we're so filled with the kingdom of God inside of our hearts that we have no need for external sources. You, you started with uh, uh, things like sermons, uh, podcasts, books, and then you talked about the book, the Bible. Um, so I don't believe you're a heretic, but that could sound heretical perhaps to somebody who's growing in a culture saturated with the Bible and the Bible is important. What do you, what's your response to that? What was your, what's your, could you explain that more? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad somebody asked, cause that's a, a comment that needs clarification for sure. Um, I love the scriptures. I've been reading them since, uh, what was it? 1989, summer of 89 is when I came to Christ wow. and, uh, it's been my daily bread since then. Mm. Um, I can't get enough of it. The book comes alive. The scriptures come alive fresh every time I read it. Um, nevertheless, if Jesus, we know that Jesus is the word made flesh, Mm -hmm. the Bible is Jesus in print form. And what I think is important with the scriptures is that they don't become a replacement for our need to be in routine fellowship, to have our heart come alive to God, that we don't think that we can just read a book, obey its commandments, and that that's what the Christian life's all about. Hmm. Old Covenant was written on tablets of stone, commandments given to Moses, uh, 613 or 618 in all, depending who's counting. And it was a law to live by without any internal help to accomplish it. And that was the weakness Hmm. of the scriptures, the Old Covenant scriptures, the way they were used, the weakness of it that required a new covenant was that nobody could ever live up to them. Nobody ever, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God means you tried to live up to the law that you asked God to give you, mm-hmm. and you can never do it. Nobody in ancient Israel ever did. So there was a need for a new covenant. When Jeremiah, all the prophets promised a new covenant, um, why would you need a new covenant if the old one was good enough, mm-hmm. Hebrews says. So the new covenant promise was, I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And then it goes on in that passage in Ezekiel to say, and I will give you a willing spirit. You will desire to follow my decrees. Mm. So what's changed and what we have now on the inside of us is that our heart is no longer deceptive and wicked. Who could know it? That's a statement made by prophet. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the heart that we now have in the new covenant. That's our old heart. And, And the way the process works, it's not like instantly overnight. We're completely, we only desire good. We only know good. You know, there's a process in that, removing that old heart, giving the new one. 
And along the way, we're becoming righteous by nature. Hmm. We've been given a new nature in Christ. You know, as I've said many times here, we're no longer sinners saved by grace. The truth of who we are is that we were sinners, we were saved by grace, and now we're saints. Problem is we have these old ways, old ways of thinking, Amen. old ways of behaving, old ways of understanding, and all of those need to be brought into kingdom ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has it entered the heart of a man, all that God has in store or in mind for his people. First Corinthians, Paul quotes that, but then he adds something after that that we often miss. But God has revealed it by his spirit. We have the mind of Christ now. We have the ability to think the way God thinks. So Jeremiah's new covenant promise, what God gave to him was, he said, no longer will a man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for all will know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Mm. That's a monumental promise. Sure, yeah. And especially speaking as one who has devoted his life to teaching and preaching the word of God, to know that, you know, I always say this, my job is to work myself out of a job, that no longer does anybody need to hear what Steve has brought out of the scriptures, but you just understand it because you've, your mind has been renewed. Your mind now thinks God's thoughts. Your life now desires to live God's way. And you don't need somebody else to tell you any longer how to do that. So that's the promise. And that is promise fulfilled in Christ. We have that. And I think sometimes we make an overemphasis of our need for external rules to keep us in line because, it, you know, we Christians sometimes live as if we're under an, a new old covenant structure mm-hmm. where now we have new covenant rules. <laughs> you try to live the Sermon on the Mount in the flesh just by willpower. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get past Matthew chapter 5 and all of what Jesus taught about forgiveness. Nobody can do that. Nobody can... Never, for example, as he said of, of men, nobody can ever live his whole life and never look at a woman lustfully. That, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. You need some internal change. Nobody's not going to call somebody a name and call, you know, Baraka. We don't use that term anymore. We have worse words than that these yeah. days. But so you get the drift that we are not now by willpower going to live out this thing. So when it comes down to the scriptures, one of my seminary professors said it so well. Argentinian guy, I can't unhear it the way he said it, but he always said, be careful that your Trinity does not become the Father, Son, and the Holy Book. And what he was saying was, don't replace the scriptures with this living dynamic. You have the word of God now written on your heart. Mm-hmm. You have a desire on the inside. So I think I shared this last last time. I mean, I'll read the whole passage now, because this will really bring it to light, I think, about how when we read the Bible with a new heart, we're reading something that our heart already knows. Mm. So the scriptures become a confirmation of something that's already been written on our heart. Now might be buried under old beliefs that we refuse to let go of. It might be buried under pain and hurt and offense. It could be, you know, uh, like a treasure that's been been piled upon because of our life experiences. Nevertheless, it's there. Mm. Our heart knows when it hears the truth. That's what happened when we first heard the word of God and got saved. Mm -hmm. Our heart resonated with that. And every day since, when God touches us, either by reading the scriptures or by mysterying his voice, because the sheep can hear his voice. You don't have to read a Bible to hear God's voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they won't follow anyone else. So when that happens, the response of our heart's an indication that we have a new heart 
and we're we're hearing something echo like we bear witness in other words uh is the scriptural term our heart says amen even if our mind sometimes doesn't get it mm. and that's why the bible is so exciting to read because we're reading something that's already there on the inside so john uh, speaking and I'll, I'll bring this full circle speaking to people that were falling under a deception one of the many um uh, heresies going around in the early church. This one happened to be the Gnostic heresy that John was addressing. And he was writing to them to warn them, hey, don't let these guys deceive you. Mm. You already know the truth. Here's what he said. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know, I have not written to you because you did not know the truth. In other words, I'm not writing something to you that you don't already know, but because you do know it and because no lies of the truth. In other words, I'm writing these scriptures to you, whether John knew that he was writing the Bible or not, you could, we could debate that, but he knew that he was writing on behalf of the Lord and anointed and inspired by the Spirit when he wrote it. And he said, I'm not writing to you because you don't know this. I'm just reinforcing what you already know. Mm -hmm. I want to give you the courage to stand because right now your mind is swirling because of this heresy and you're doubting now maybe Jesus wasn't in the flesh. Maybe he was a spirit. And there's some of the all kinds of weird stuff the Gnostic heresy was bringing. Maybe there is some secret knowledge that I don't know mm. that I have to have in order to have eternal life. That was the Gnostic heresy in a nutshell that you, you have to attain to this knowledge and that'll set you free from your flesh prison. And so John was like, no, no, no. I'm writing to you now because you know that that's a lie, but you're falling to peer pressure or you're falling under the spell of this this thing it sounds so appealing to your mind but it's wrong it's off mm -hmm. and and you know it and you know it I, i'm a firm believer that every believer who's going off in some kind of a sinful lifestyle who falls prey to deception at the beginning of it knows something's amiss yeah something's wrong with this mm. talk to any addict or anybody who fell into it the, uh, any kind of addiction at all drugs alcohol sex any any kind of addiction at the first, the first time there was a temptation to, and I'm speaking now like, say, a believer who falls into that. <laughs> the first one or maybe 10, 12, 20 times, something on the inside was saying, you shouldn't do this, get away from that, don't partake of that. And, and we, you know, if we override that voice and we continue on in that, then we, be, then we begin to embrace it. Then we grow numb to that voice. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that on the inside of us, the law of God, the Holy Spirit in us, the mind of Christ was saying, get out of that. You know it's wrong. And to ignore that voice is treacherous. That's that dangerous territory because it's harder to come back when you know the truth and you willingly defy it. It's like shaking your hand to heaven and saying, I don't care. I'm going to do this anyway. That's a dangerous road to travel down. <laughs> Because you can't say I was deceived. You could say I willingly went into that thing. Yeah. So he goes on and he says, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him remains in you. All right, that's Christ, Christ in us, the anointing. We talked about that last time, I think. We carry the internal anointing, not an external one in Christ. Him remains in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. Sound familiar? Mm. That That's the new covenant. John's reminding them, you are a new covenant creation. You know the truth. You don't need me to tell you these things. As his anointing teaches you about all things, and it's true, it's not a lie, As as and just as it has taught you, you remain in him. So 
the the key to one to wrap up the scriptures are a temporary measure for those who are making the transition from having a dark heart from having a heart that embraced evil a heart that um, didn't think with the mind of christ we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we had another philosophy of life my way is better than your way mm. in christ now we've had a turnaround and it, our heart always says his way is better than my way. So why do we need the scriptures? We still need the scriptures because we're prone to deception. Not because our heart is wrong and wicked, but because we hear something, we like it, and we get led astray. Mm-hmm. The scriptures define Christ, and there's nothing that God will ever say to a believer that contradicts something is already written in the Word of God. It's one of the cardinal rules of hearing the voice of God. He will never contradict what he's already said. But does the Bible tell me which house I should buy? Does the Bible tell me what I should do for a career, for my living? No, but it does make sure it helps me not redefine God in my image. (laughs) So we are made in the image of God. Deception is when we remake God after our image, and we are prone to do that. So a good rule when it comes to the scriptures and why we do still need them is when we find ourselves disagreeing with the word of God, (laughs) about who God is, about what God's plans are for us, what God, what's right, what's wrong. Uh, the Bible's always right, we're always wrong. That, that's just a good rule of life. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Um, but as we grow in Christ, we don't need the scriptures to tell us what's right and what's wrong. We don't need, in other words, the external voice of the scriptures become, because it's become internalized. We've made agreement with the word of God mm. and on the inside now, our thoughts are becoming more like his thoughts. Mm. Um, and I'll share this in a couple of weeks when we get up to uh, when David had the idea to build a temple for God. And I'll, I'll get into some things. That was a teaser right there. See that? Okay. See what I did I right like there? That, yeah. Um, but yeah, so just to make sure I don't get stoned for heresy, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Yeah. Every word of it's true and it is necessary for equipping the saints. Mm. Nevertheless, it's not a substitute. It's rather a complementary gift to the Holy Spirit and what's been written on our heart. Mm. So I hope that yeah, hope that clarifies and sums it up. And and if you if you look at the I mean to summarize what, what I think you're saying, you know, one of the covenant promises that made through the prophet Jeremiah was that it's for everyone. So this promise is not just for a select few. It's for everyone That's right. who who wants to believe and. Yeah. As a woman undertake and undergo this process. Of, Absolutely. Okay. That's pretty yeah. exciting. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I know you weren't her- heretical, but it's good to clarify. Well, I've been accused. <laughs> yeah. Well, we <laughs> clarify. Yeah, it does. Well, thank you for uh, answering that question. I appreciate your insight and willingness to kind of dive deeper into this soon. And um, thank you for watching. Thank you for having or listening. Uh, to uh, to this podcast, we appreciate your your questions. Appreciate your desire too to seek after what God is doing. So we appreciate you guys, uh, and take care. Until next time, see ya. Amen.